All right, good morning. Welcome to Christ Church, a church of all lifting lives, elevating Christ, a church for those who aren't here yet. I'm Pastor Andrew. I'm glad you're here now. Joining us and being part of what Christ Church is and means this morning, thank you. If you're joining us in the East Auditorium, I want to wish you a welcome as well. Or perhaps you're joining us online. Thanks for being part of Christ Church. You're a meaningful part of our community. Thanks for being in worship and showing up this morning. We are in a unique season as a church right now, a rather important season. Uh, it's often referred to as Lent. Lent is this old historical term that has been handed down from generation to generation of Christians as this, this season or these weeks leading up to uh, Easter Sunday. And this is a tradition that we as a church body embrace. It's a tradition where these weeks leading up to Easter Sunday, we place a special measure of a spiritual devotion in our lives. We give uh, spirituality an added measure of attention. And this could be things like doing devotions at home or perhaps you're meeting in one of our Easter small groups. The intent of this Lenten season is to really dial in and focus on our faith and hopefully grow in our faith as we better understand Jesus more specifically. Lent is usually targeted and focused around Jesus Christ as we get to know his life, his death, and his resurrection through this Lenten journey. It takes us up until Good Friday and the tomb, and eventually we celebrate with Easter Sunday. And so this is a tremendously important season for us as a church body. To help guide us along, to help lead us in this particular Lenten season this year, we're looking at dinner stories. That is to say, stories where Jesus sits down and breaks bread with people, people like you and me. There are numerous stories in the Bible where Jesus has to have food and dinner with people. And sometimes he'll give us a teaching. He'll tell us a parable or a story, something like that. Other times, events unfold in the midst of dinner. He's having dinner or something like that. And all of a sudden, things happen to him and relationships and people get involved and things. And so we're using a set of stories that have to do with Jesus at dinner time to guide us along in this Lenten season. The first story we covered last week, this week we're on to our second story already. And the story that we're going to be looking at has to do with the calling of one of his disciples, specifically the calling of the disciple Levi, also known as Matthew. I realize it's a little confusing, but believe it or not, Levi and Matthew are actually the same person. Uh, it's kind of like Simon Peter would be another example of a name in the Bible where there are two names. It's the exact same person. Levi is Matthew. The reason why I point that out to you is because there's, in fact, an entire book of the Bible called the Gospel of Matthew that is attributed to this particular disciple, the Gospel of Matthew. Just a reminder for you what a gospel is. A gospel is a firsthand eyewitness account of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And they form the basis of understanding and knowledge of who Jesus is as we look at these stories. This story actually occurs in three out of the four gospels that are in the Bible. And it's almost verbatim in each of these stories. We're going to be using Mark, the Gospel of Mark, as our primary text. The Gospel of Mark is the earliest written of all of the Gospels, and there's a good chance scholars tend to think that when Matthew sat down and wrote his Gospel and Luke sat down and wrote his Gospels, they might have even had a copy of Mark on hand. And so we're going to use Mark as our primary text for this morning. It comes and it begins in Mark chapter 2, early on in the story early on in chapter 2, where Jesus is really just getting going and gathering his disciples, his followers around him. This is what it says in Mark chapter 2. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again, 
and he taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, that is Matthew, son of Alphaeus, sitting in, at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. But when the teachers of the religious law, who were Pharisees, saw Jesus, him, eating with tax collectors and, well, other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he responds. He told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. That's our story for this morning. And it is loaded with all sorts of little things that we could tease out, as most biblical stories are. But one of the important things that we can see right away from this specific story is the use of the word sin. Now, this is a word that's loaded with baggage, both in the church and outside of the church. Sin is one of those words that is used colloquial and in the context of church environments very casually. And it's assumed often in churches that people know what it means. It's used so frequently in church environments that it actually creeps outside the church, and you'll actually encounter this word in secular or non-church environments as well. To give us a baseline, to help us understand for the purposes of this text, and to better understand Jesus and what Jesus is doing, let's all get on the same page when we use this particular word. Sin literally transliterates as to miss the mark. That's what it means, to miss the mark. And the imagery of missing the mark has to do with kind of like a bow and arrow and like a target. The idea is that you're, you're, you're trying to get the center of the target, right? But sometimes you miss the mark. You miss what is hoped for, intended. You miss the goal. You miss what is best in most scenarios or situations. And you sometimes miss the mark. We will in our vernacular and in our interpretive lenses, usually talk about these as being like mistakes or failures that we sometimes experience in our life. The mistakes and the failures that we have miss the mark on what life could be or life should be. Usually, for most people, we associate decision-making with missing the mark, with sin itself. That when we make a bad or poor decision, we miss the mark, and that would be an example of sin. But sin is more than just simply bad decision-making. In a, in a Christian sense, sin is far more pervasive. It's more like an infection, a disease that is infecting the very reality of the world, the universe. This is why if you hang around Christ Church long enough, you'll hear Pastor Bob and I use the word brokenness. That sin has to do with the broken reality that we find in our lives personally as well as within the greater world. And that means that it includes bad decisions, yeah, but it's more than that. Don't limit sin to that. It's much more invasive, all-encompassing, deadly. And usually, sin in a Christian or Jewish context 
has to do with God. Sin is assumed to be attached to God's best, that when you miss the mark, yes, you can miss the mark in general, but it's that much more egregious when you assume and are shooting for the target that God sets up. When you're shooting for what God wants in life and what God wants for this world and you miss the mark, that's sin and brokenness as it relates to God. Practically, what this means in Jesus' day, and frankly in ours too, sin is often thought of as breaking God's laws or breaking God's heart, making decisions or having situations that make God unhappy and are less than what God wanted. All right, why did we go through all of that? (laughs) Here's why. In the story, did you notice the Pharisees? The Pharisees, which are the religious teachers in Jesus' day, they are very dialed in and very aware of sin. Or more specifically, sin in other people. They're extremely sin-aware. They see it in those disreputable sinners, the scum. Did you pick up on those words? The Pharisees see it in the people that Jesus is having dinner with. He's knocking back a few with a bunch of sinners, people who have missed the mark, made mistakes, have failures. And they're looking at this and saying, what in the world? Why are you associating with people who aren't, well, aren't right with God, aren't living according to God's standards, hopes, and expectations. And there's confusion by the Pharisees, and let's be honest, perhaps even a little bit of judgment. A little bit of, why are you doing that exactly? That shouldn't be like that. And we can kind of understand where they're coming from. I mean, have you ever looked at other people and seen sin brokenness, mistakes and failures in others? I mean, come on. If we're brutally honest, how easy is it to see the mistakes or failures in a coworker, in your spouse, in your kids? Before we get too far and start condemning the Pharisees and throwing stones at the Pharisees, we need to take the mature step that Jesus actually suggests and moves us towards that the Pharisees are struggling with, and that is before you find and look at sin around you and outside of you, you need to do the hard, mature work of looking inside, of seeing the ways in which you, yourself, struggle with pain and brokenness and mistakes and failures. Jesus would say it like this. He'd frame it for us well. He says, look, I've come not to call those who think they are righteous, that is, who think they have it all together, who think that they know what they're doing. I mean, let's be honest, how many of us think we're right in an argument? All you need to do is go on Facebook these days and you'll see plenty of examples, yes? People who think they know everything and think they've got it all together. 
And yet Jesus says, wait a minute, wait a minute, no, no. I've come to call those who know they're messy, they're broken, they're sinners. Those who know and acknowledge that they have missed the mark. And he contrasts that with the Pharisees. You see, part of what it means to follow Jesus and part of what Jesus moves us towards in maturity is that when we become more self-aware, as we become more aware and look inwardly and examine our own persons, we begin to expose ourselves to the realities in which we fall short, we come up short, where we struggle, where we make bad choices. But that's all located within ourselves. That is a very, very mature and challenging thing to do. I mean, I don't know about you, I don't often like to look inside. I mean, how often do you want to look at your mistakes and want to look at your failures and think about the times in which you've missed the mark? That is a challenging reality. And if I'm brutally honest, I don't really want to do that because... It makes me feel like junk, doesn't it? When we take the time to examine and look inwards, we often feel guilty. I mean, isn't this the the reputation of the church? Church almost seems to have a corner on the market in this regard. We're really good at throwing the book at people and layering on the guilt. Ever, Ever experienced that before? Some of you are like, I love it. It's conviction. Bring it on. But for most of us, I don't know about you, I don't like feeling like junk and acknowledging the reality that I have junk in my life and I have contributed to the junk in this world as well. That's a hard and mature step to take. And while the church may or may not have a corner on the market in this regard, I do remember a really influential seminary professor who told me, you should never preach to people and tell them how junky they are. Sorry, guys. Not taking his advice this morning. But I understand where he's coming from because he explained why. He said the reality is that for so many of us, we don't need the church to tell us that we've missed the mark. Because the world that we live in does that already. Every day we are bombarded with messages that tell us we're not smart enough. We're not kind enough. We're not wealthy enough, skinny enough, loving enough. We're not enough as parents. We're not enough as workers that we fall short That the world itself is constantly making it obvious that in so many ways and in so many places we've missed the mark. We experience the burden of that reality even before coming to church. In fact, for many of us, it's the precise reason why we come to church. To look for a new message and some hope. Because what the world has to offer just ain't cutting it. 
Normally the world tells you all of these things on how we're missing the mark and falling short. And then usually it's part of a marketing ad that will tell you if you buy this thing, then that will fix your problems, right? If you buy this or do this or, or look this certain way, then all of a sudden you'll be happy and you can ignore the ways in which you fall short. You won't fall short anymore. Or sometimes the world goes so far, and we've bought into this, have we not? We've actually bought into this in some of us practices. The world says we should ignore our shortcomings. We, we should just ignore the ways that we've, we've missed the mark. And in fact, we should project, particularly on digital social media, all the good stuff. And just imagine the bad stuff ain't even there. And so we put up all the pictures of us hang gliding in Hawaii or, or jumping off some cliff or hanging out on a cruise or all the good, look at my perfect family and perfect children. And we actually put pictures and all these sort of things up there and people think that that's the sum totality of our life, that everything's great and hunky-dory. And we ignore the truth and the harsh reality as part of the reason why I love church. It's a place where I can be real. I don't have to project. I don't have to pretend. It's a place where authenticity is valued and transparency. Where I can be honest with you as a Christian person and say, yeah, man, I struggle. I struggle as a pastor. I'm not the best one out there, I'll tell you that much. Struggles a husband, a dad, that I miss the mark in all these different places in my life. And I'm willing as a Christian person to know it, to admit it, to the Christian word is confess it. I don't just simply think that I'm junk. I know that I am. I know that I don't measure up to what could be or should be from my life. And by extension of me, this world could be a lot better if I was a lot better too. That does make me feel like junk, but at least I'm honest junk, guys, right? And so I come to church needing, seeking things that I can't find answers to out in the world. Feeling the weight and the burden of the, the frailty and my finitude and my failures. And I open the Bible up and, and I turn to Mark chapter 2. And you know what I find there? The most extraordinary, incredible, mind-blowing, surprising reality that has ever occurred in history or ever will occur in history. It is the profound and incredible truth that the Pharisees could not see that God, in the person of Jesus Christ, He came to hang out with junkies. He came for junkies like me. Hallelujah! He loves and cares and walks with people who feel like junk and are junk, 
those are precisely the people Jesus Christ sits down and breaks bread with and calls to be his disciples. He calls me. He called Levi. And he calls you. He loves you and cares for you. Even with your challenges, your baggage, your difficulties, your brokenness, he welcomes you. And in fact, he goes so far as to demand your life and say, get up and be my disciple. Follow me. Follow me and be mine. Jesus says that to broken, messy people. He comes precisely for the sin addicts, for the scum, for the people who are sick on the inside with the reality of their own frailty and failures and, and sick of this world, sick of all the stuff that's in this world, sick with, with, with the, the pain of looking on the news. And Do you feel sick a lot? I feel sick all the time. I look on the news and I feel sick at the possibility of, of war and the reality of war and people being displaced and, and nuclear fallout. I, I feel sick sick when I think about those things. I feel sick when I, when I consider brutal murders and all the nasty violence and hate that happens. I feel sick when I, when I consider the ways in which I failed my family or the ways in which I failed my church. I feel sick, but it is precisely for a sick world that Jesus came. And so even in the reality of my sickness, there is a stronger, greater reality in the person of Jesus Christ, his life, his death, his resurrection. And that when I hear the call as a broken person to follow him, he will lead me to the cross where he died. For my sake, for your sake, for the forgiveness of sin. To forgive and restore and redeem and begin to undo all the broken baggage stuff. And on Easter Sunday, when I follow him to the cross, I follow him to the tomb, I follow him to Easter morning and his resurrection and his victory and his promise to love and forgive forever his disciples, his people, you and me. It is good, right, and appropriate for us to do the hard work of introspection and consider the ways in which this world and our lives make ourselves sick. That's okay and, in fact, healthy to call a thing what it is and to acknowledge where we failed. But it is only helpful when anchored and tethered to Jesus to the reality that according to Jesus, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. That's why He came. To heal you and restore you. And through you, He will heal and begin to restore this world. 
This is the profound nature of the good news of the Christian faith. That Jesus Christ came not for perfect people or people who have it all together. But He came as a good physician. A doctor. Someone who was working to heal and restore and make new. And He does that for Levi He does that for you. Each one of you. For we are the disciples of today. We are the ones that hear the voice of Jesus today calling us to follow Him. Embrace His teachings. Take hold of the hope that we have in His victory over sin, death, and the devil. And live our lives not based on our brokenness, but based on the healing and redemption that Jesus Christ brings. This is what it means to be his disciple today. This is indeed a story that has to do with sin and Pharisees and baggage and brokenness, yes, but it also if not more so, is the story of Jesus sitting with broken, sick people and precisely calling them towards healing and transformation. Jesus said, follow me and be my disciple. And so this Lenten season is about following Him. Trusting in Him to heal and redeem, to forgive and renew, to be His disciple. Let's close in prayer. Please pray with me. Jesus, this morning we come before You acknowledging and unafraid to name the reality of our faults and failures, the ways in which we have fallen short. We confess to you the ways in which we have failed the expectations of others and failed even the expectations of ourselves. Perhaps most of all, we have failed in expectations, hopes, dreams that you have for us. And yet Jesus rather than keeping us at arm's length. In your grace and in your compassion, you would look upon us in this broken world with love. You would choose to forgive us and begin the work of healing and restoration. That you would call us, as you called Levi, to follow you, to believe in you, to see where you lead. Lead us in this Lenten season to your sacrifice on the cross and to your victory on Easter morning that we might be grounded and take courage that we are defined not by our failures but by your forgiveness, by your victory, by Easter. Lead us as the disciples of today in being the people you aspire us to be. Let your grace carry us forward 
in confidence and in hope. Humbly we ask, Jesus, and pray this all in your holy and in your precious name. Amen.